1: Welcome to the Marriage Day Podcast. I'm Jimmy Evans, this is my wife Karen. We're so glad that you're joining us. Today we're finishing a series from the life of Abraham called I Am Abraham. And this message is called The Best Test. We're talking about when Abraham, when God told Abraham to lay Isaac down and the principle, the life-changing principle behind this for every single one of us it will bless our marriages, our families, our personal lives. Uh, Before we go to the teaching, we're going to answer a couple of questions from viewers. Let me begin with you, Karen. My husband is spontaneous and not a planner at all, whereas I'm very future-oriented and tend to be thinking steps ahead with most life decisions. My husband wants to lead our home and feels responsible for our family, but I'm always the one initiating and envisioning. It comes naturally to me. I believe God brought our complementary strengths together to better our ministry capacity. And yet we really struggle to pull together as a husband and wife team. Any advice?
0: That's a good question. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that, you know, just having honest communication as far as, you know, what her expectations are, what his are, you know, talk about it, talk it through. I mean, she's, She's laying out, to me, what sounds very healthy. I mean, she's got vision, and he likes to be the leader. I mean, figure out how to do that in a way that, you know, honors each other, honors the differences and the gifts that they both both have yeah. in a way that, um, you know— it's hard sometimes, I think, especially if both spouses are dominant or more aggressive. And so someone has to be willing to yield, you yeah. know. And, um, and so I would just say have some more conversation. You know, talk about it and, you know, figure out what the best thing is for them as a couple. Because I, I, I think they have great potential.
1: Yeah, it's like the haircut, the mullet, you know, business <laughs> in the front, party in the back. You know, she's business and he's party. And the issue is, you know, how do, how you make that work together. And we talk about having a vision retreat. Mm-hmm. You're not operating as a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the question itself conveys frustration. Is my my husband is spontaneous and I'm I'm business. I'm the visionary. There are millions of couples just like this that, mm-hmm. that we know, and so get you have to get together and have a vision for your marriage that's all encompassing. We have a Vision Retreat Workbook. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can get it on xomarriage.com. You can get it on amazon.com. It helps you to plan a Vision Retreat, understand what a Vision Retreat is, how to plan it, do it, and uh, follow up afterwards. It'll change your marriage. And it will take you, too, and bring you together like this because God wants to give you a vision for your marriage that you're a team. You're operating as a team with your finances, with your children, with your ministry, with every part of your life you're operating as a team. And uh, Karen and I, this changed our marriage. Mm -hmm. This took our marriage to another level. Mm -hmm. So my encouragement was, it sounds like you're a good couple, God did put you together. You respect each other. You're just not operating as a team. Vision Retreat will help you.
0: I listen to your podcast every week, and I heard Jimmy speak at Church of the Highlands earlier this year. Your teachings on anger and dominance have made me realize that my husband and I did not provide the best example to our children as they were growing up. They are now adults, and I feel bad that we didn't learn to fight in a healthy way until now. Is there any way to fix our mistakes and change the course of our family for the next generation?
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's never too late to do the right thing. And what I would do is to sit down with your kids and say, hey, you know, we blew it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when y'all were growing up, That we fought this way. Mm-hmm. We gave a terrible example to you. If they haven't heard my message, have them, you know, uh, re- uh, listen mm-hmm. to the message. In my book, Four Laws of Love, I talk about conflict resolution, anger and conflict resolution, the same message, or I guess one of the same messages I brought at Church of the Highlands. But um, very important that you just own your mistake, that you open up and talk to your kids and then be a good example from this point forward. It's never too late to do the right thing. And your example now as parents and grandparents still has a huge impact on your family. So don't be don't be condemned because but by the grace of God, that's exactly what would mm-hmm. happen to us. And so don't be condemned, but just thank God you learned.
0: Well, and, and they can also be a part of the prayer to break the generational curses of yeah, all that, that's right. you know, because they're asking for help uh, for their family for the next generation. And right. so they can pray, they can get together as a family and pray and just break the, the curses and the things that they did in the family. And then just at that point, I think that they're, you know, it'll start going the right direction.
1: Absolutely. So we hope that's helpful to you. We're going to go down to this teaching uh, that we hope is helpful to you on the life of Abraham, the issue of, being, having faith before God. God bless you. The devil tempts us so we will fail, but God tests us so we'll pass. It's exactly the opposite. The testings of God come to better us in our lives. And God never wants us to fail a test. And here's the thing about God's test. If you t- take it and fail, you just take it over and over until you pass. And so it's just, it's just a wonderful thing with God. So Abraham's gonna, gonna pass this test, But the test is this, who's first in your life? Am I first? And see, the greatest threat to God being first in our life are the greatest blessings in our lives. Sometimes the promise that we prayed for for many years, once that promise comes along, it's so special it takes God's place. And this is what's happening here. Isaac was the son of the promise. They waited 25 years. From the time that God promised them Isaac, they waited 25 years until Isaac is born, and now Isaac is, is maybe 13 years old, or however old he is here. Isaac is growing up, and God comes to Abraham and says, lay the promise down. Lay that job down. Lay that relationship down. Lay that, lay that money down. Lay that, lay that healing down. Whatever it was that became so important that we we want it, we cherish it, it's important to us. What God wants to know is who's first in your life? So this is the test. And he says to Abraham, okay, I know before he showed up I was first, so now now that the promise is in your life, I, I want to test you to see if you're willing to lay down the most important thing in your life for me, proving that I'm the most important thing in your life. And so Abraham passes the test and the Lord provides, rather than his son dying, God never intended to take Isaac. Okay, listen to me. When God tells you to lay something down, he never intends to take it from you. He intends to give you something in return, greater than what you're gonna lay down. God, God has no desire to take things away from us. And as soon as the, Abraham looks over and sees the ram, he calls that place Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord will provide. But then it said, a saying, it is said to this day, a saying came about because of what happened to Abraham. By the way, this is the Temple Mount. Mount Moriah is the Temple Mount. Now, the Muslims believe that Abraham offered up Ishmael. And as Christians, we believe that Abraham offered up Isaac. And we are right, he offered up Isaac, not Ishmael. Okay. So he lays down Isaac, as soon as he lays him down, it says, a saying began right then In the mount of the Lord, it will be provided, okay? Well, what what does that mean? Let me me give you a paraphrase for that. In the place where we lay down our best for God, his provision is released. In the place where we lay down our best for God, his provision is released, because this is what happens. When God gets our best, We get his best, okay, that's the deal here. And as soon as he lays down Isaac, Jesus, the angel of the Lord, is speaking to Abraham from heaven, and here's what Jesus says in direct response now to the sacrifice or the willingness to sacrifice Isaac. Verse 16, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing, and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars, of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants, listen to this promise, your descendants will possess the gates of their enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you obeyed my voice. So in response to Abraham's sacrifice, or willingness to sacrifice Isaac, God doesn't just bless Abraham, he blesses all of his descendants. And here's what he says, your descendants will possess the gates of their enemies and in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Let me, let me ask you this question. because We're talking about leaving a legacy of faith. See, there are some of us, there are some of us that God is asking us to do something we're uncomfortable with. Maybe giving, it may be tithing. It might be prayer, it might be witnessing. Uh, it could be you know, giving something up that we know that he wants us to give up and we're struggling with that. In other words, there's an Isaac in our lives. There's something that we're clinging to. There's something that's very special to us for whatever reason. And God is asking us to lay that thing down, and some of us are struggling with that. But let me ask you this question, okay, to all the the parents here. What if God would bless your children and grandchildren if you did that? What if what you're doing right now doesn't just affect you, but it affects generations after you? Remember, when he lays Isaac down, the Lord, Jesus, says from heaven, because you did this thing, Because you did this, I bless you, and I bless your descendants after you. See, some of us struggle with maybe ourselves, and we're thinking this thing, I know this thing isn't right and it's a problem, but we love our children and grandchildren so much, what you wouldn't do for you, you would do for them. And I've got news for you, everything you do affects them. I want to leave a legacy of faith to my children and grandchildren. Our little granddaughter, Kate, Kate has never met a stranger. And she is the most bold person about her face. So Brent and Stephanie, when Kate turned about four, they were in the grocery store and they were going through the checkout line and they were thinking, where is Kate? Kate had seen a woman in a wheelchair and she walked over laid lay her hand on her and started praying for her. Kate will pray for anyone, anywhere, without permission. And that's the great thing about being a kid. She just walks over and lays her hand on them and just starts praying. It, you know, they just wave their heads like this, you know. What do you do? <laughs> and she knows about Jesus. She'll tell anybody. I took Kate swimming. I took kids swimming last uh, year in the summer. And Kate was in the pool. And she was, there was a lifeguard in there swimming with them. And Kate was witnessing to the lifeguard. Third generation. You know, a friend of mine says this. The reason that they call God the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is because whatever lasts for three generations cannot be stopped. Some of you are the first generation. Dear God, start a legacy of faith. Some of you are second generation. Please take your faith and let it go to the third generation. Some of you are the third generation. Let your faith continue to reach another generation, and not just another generation, a world greatly in need of seeing people of faith of experiencing people of faith. I'm just saying, it is such a big deal. It's such a big deal. So thank God for Abraham who began, he's the father of the faith. Let's ask some questions. The first is, is there any basis in scripture beyond the story of Abraham and Isaac that proves God only releases his best when we give him our best? Okay, Because that's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when God gets our best, we get his best. Okay. So is that in scripture? From Genesis to Revelation, it's in scripture. Okay, first of all, you remember the story in Genesis four of Abel and Cain. And God had told Abel and Cain, bring me your best. Abel did, Cain didn't. God blessed Abel's offering, and he wouldn't bless Cain. Okay, And Cain got mad and killed Abel, that was the story. Proverbs three, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the firstfruits, it doesn't say some, it says first, of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. Matthew 6, after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. See, it's just saying seek God first. Before you make a decision, seek God first. Let, let, God, let God be the Lord of your life in a, in a practical way. And the, the result is, everything you want, God will give you. I mean, everything else is added to you. Luke 6, therefore be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful, judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgiven, you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Let me, let me say something to you now. We've got one more scripture to read there. God doesn't decide how blessed you are, you do. God's desire is to give you his best but it's according to your standard of measure. If you want God's best measure, you give God your best measure, okay? Again, I wanna say, when God gets our best, we get his best. Revelation chapter two. I know your works, this is the church at Ephesus. I know your works, your labor, your patience, this is Jesus speaking. And that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars, and you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Lampstand, lampstand means revelation, it means favor. It's like God's divine advertising for a church. God, Jesus is saying here, I know the good things that you've done, unfortunately, you've left your first love. You're no longer passionate about me. And he says, if you don't get it back now, I'm going to take your lampstand." I gave you my best. You were passionate about me. I was first. I had your first love. But now that you've taken your best away from me, I'm going to take the lampstand away. Listen, lukewarm Christians are a bad advertisement for a great God. If you're tired of endlessly scrolling through mundane TV shows, searching for something fresh and inspiring, I get it. Time is too valuable to waste on mind-numbing content. It's time to invest in something new. Allow me to introduce you to Hillsdale College. They're offering over 40 free online courses covering essential and enduring subjects. Think C.S. Lewis, the Book of Genesis, the Essence of the U.S. Constitution, the Rise and Fall of the Roman Republic, and the Ancient Christian Church. And here's the kicker. These courses won't cost you a penny. They're absolutely free. Now I wanna share a personal recommendation. American citizenship and its decline with Victor Davis Hanson. In this insightful eight lecture course, Victor explores the history of Western citizenship and the challenges it faces today. From the vanishing middle class to the rise of globalist organizations and much more. Here's the deal friends, head over to hillsdale.edu forward slash marriage right now to kick off your free course. It's simple to get started and it won't cost you a dime. That's hillsdale.edu forward slash marriage the gateway to beginning your learning journey. Don't miss this chance to invest your time in something truly meaningful. Join Hillsdale College and let's start expanding our horizons together. In the midst of our busy lives, it's easy to neglect our skin. But One Skin, our sponsor today, is on a mission to simplify skin care while delivering profound results. One Skin's secret weapon, their proprietary os one peptide. This groundbreaking ingredient doesn't just mask skin issues, it targets them at a cellular level. We've always struggled with finding products that actually deliver on their promises, but One Skin blew us away with its results. We've used it primarily on our face and neck, and the difference is incredible. But don't just take my word for it, One Skin's commitment but the skin longevity is backed by solid science. Their research has shown that the os one peptide can reduce the number of sensitive cells up to 50% Effectively reversing skin's biological age Invest in the health and longevity of your skin with OneSkin As a listener of our show you can snag an exclusive 15% off your first purchase using code MARRIAGE at oneskin.co That's oneskin.co with code MARRIAGE After you make your purchase they'll ask you where you heard about them please do us a solid and let them know we sent you Let's support each other in the journey to healthier happier skin Remember OneSkin isn't just about skin care it's about skin longevity Say hello to to a brighter, more youthful you. And when he's saying, I'm gonna take my lampstand away from you, what he's saying is, when you were passionate about me, I brought as many people to you as I could. I wanted people. I gave you favor. I wanted people to notice you because you were in love with me and you were such a great example. Now that you're no longer passionate, I still love you, you're on your way to heaven. That that doesn't change, but you're not gonna get my best. Okay. From Genesis to Revelation, one of the themes of the Bible is, when God gets our best, we get his best. Well, here's another question. Is that fair? Is it fair that God demands our best, the best of our time, the best of our treasures, the best of our talents? Is it a fair thing that God would say that? Well, he's our creator. He made us and our mother's One, if you believe that, which I do. He's our savior. He died on the cross to save us from our sins, to save us from hell. You know, he gave us freedom, he gave us his Holy Spirit, he gave us his Word, he gave us eternal life, he's given us all those things, he's our, he's our Master and Lord. Listen to scripture, 1, 1 Corinthians 6. Flee sexual immorality, every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality against his own body, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, with whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. You were bought with a price. Did, did you know that Mary and the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter, uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary? Uh, that's a joke. Never mind. No, never mind. It's too late. It's you, you, you missed it. Too late. That, did you know that they all call themselves the bondservants of the Lord? A bondservant was a person who was owned by a master for life and they all referred to themselves as bond servants. Can I tell you something? You're owned by Jesus Christ. You were bought by him. The word redemption means to buy back. Jesus took his blood and he purchased you back from the devil. He owns you. He's your owner. He's my owner. I'm not, I'm free in Jesus, not free from Jesus. Our master, our creator, the person who purchased us with his blood, we would deny him our best. You better believe it's fair. You better believe it's fair. It's more than fair. He deserves everything we have. And when he comes and says to Abraham, lay it down, he created Isaac and Abraham, and everything in their lives. And when the Bible says honor the Lord with your possessions, that's exactly what we're doing. We're saying, God, everything in my life came from you, and I honor you, knowing I wouldn't have breath in my lungs right now if it were not for your grace. Somebody say amen. If God requires our best before He releases His best to us, why isn't that legalism and performance? Okay? Because isn't that kind of like saying you got to do something extra to get God's blessing? Okay. Well, the most the three answers. Number one, the most important blessings in life and eternity are ours freely by grace. Okay? The salvation, you know, you, like the thief on the cross next to Jesus, you know, He, he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. That's what you call grace. You know He had probably never done a thing right in his life, and all he did was acknowledge the, the lordship of Christ, and the next thing you know, he's in paradise with Jesus. Salvation is free by grace. You can't do anything to earn it, God's love. God will never love you more than he loves you right now, not one ounce. If you gave a million dollars away, if you did the greatest thing that's ever done, God is badly in love with you, and you can't do anything to make him love you more. So this is not legalism, this is not performance. Because legalism and performance says you have to do something to get God's favor more than the blood of Jesus. Well, you don't. You don't. Not not in that way. The second answer to that question, God's motivation isn't righteousness, it's relationship. We're not righteous because of giving God our best, we're righteous because of the blood of Jesus. But listen to Matthew 22, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your soul, with all your mind, this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. They came to Jesus and said, Lord, what's the most important commandment? He said, love love God. With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Did you know that the number one reason that God gave you your brain was to love him? The number one reason that God gave you a body was to love him. The number one reason that God gave you a will and emotions was to love him, and the number one reason that God gave you a spirit was to love him. And Jesus said, number one commandment, really there's only two commandments in the Bible. Love God and love people like you love yourself, like you wanna be loved. He said, on those two commandments, the entire Bible hangs like a picture on a nail. On those two commandments, everything hangs right there. God just wants a relationship with us. Now listen to what I'm about to say. Jesus didn't save us from our sins so he could leave us alone. Jesus died the most gruesome death that any human being has died in the history of the world. And he did it because he loves us. He created us to love him. And he wants us in a relationship with him first. Okay, the other thing, the other answer to this question is God knows, God requires our best because he knows that our passions cannot be separated from our priorities. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew six. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let me tell you about two words there. The word treasure is actually the word thesaurus in the Greek and it means treasury, treasure chest. Jesus says, wherever your treasure chest is, wherever you're putting the most important things in your life, your heart will be there also. The word heart is the word cardia, it means seat of passion. That's where we get our word cardiac, but it means the seed of your emotions. Wherever you're putting the best of your life, your passion is gonna be there. Okay? It's always, if you're giving the best of your life at work, your passion's at work. If you're giving the best of your life to your children, your passion's with your children. If you, wherever the best goes, that's where your passion is. So God comes to Abraham and says, I want you to lay Isaac down. Why? Because God wants to make sure that Abraham's passion is first of all with him. And as soon as he lays Isaac down and takes the knife up, Jesus said, you passed the test. Now that I see that you fear God, I'm gonna bless you. I, you gave me your best and now I know that I'm your thesaurus. Now I know that your treasures are with me. And I'm saying there's a lot of great things in life, but the greatest thing in our life is God himself. He wants a relationship with us, and that's why he requires our best. Because wherever we're putting our best, our passion is going to be there. And our number one passion in life should be God. And nothing else. Number four question, we're done. How do you give God your best? I mean, how how do you do that practically? It's It's not hard. It's not hard at all. Okay. Number one, make Jesus Lord of every area of your life. I mean, just make sure. See, when we get saved, we say, Jesus, you're Lord of my life. And that's important. And you're saved right then. So all you have to do, you know, just acknowledge the Lordship of Christ and acknowledge, you know, who God is and who Jesus is. You're saved. Okay. But then the process of salvation, we're instantly saved. when We get saved. But then I have to decide, is he really the Lord of my finances? Really? I mean, in real terms. Do I pray before I make decisions? This is another issue. Is he Lord of my relationships? Is he Lord of my mouth? Is he Lord of my morals? Is he Lord of my emotions? Is he the Lord of my talents and my skills? It's a big question and it's an important question we all have to answer along the way. Number two, pray about every significant decision in your life and don't act without the Lord's approval. And literally, every time you pray about a decision, you're laying Isaac down. And you're saying, Lord, I don't want this if you don't want it. I only want what you want, Lord. And I'm laying this decision before you. And if you want to take it, take it. If you want to resurrect it, resurrect it. But I don't want it to live if you don't want it to live. I'm laying this before you. Number three, seek God every day in the best part of your day. Now, my best part of my day is five to six in the morning. Five to seven. I, I love to wake up early. Karen's the same way. Some of you... the best part of your day is probably after midnight i don't know i don't get that but it, but whatever is the best part of your day is seek god in the best part of your day in a relational manner to know him and to love him and honor the sabbath which you're doing okay so it, prayer's not about being religious Prayer, prayer's about being with my best friend prayer's about going to god with my hurts my fears my needs and to know him in a rela- I, he's my daddy and he's my friend and so I'm gonna take the best part of my day and week and give him that D, is tithe and give from the first of your finances in obedience to the Lord. It's a big deal, it'll change your life. It It was so terrifying. When we're first generation givers, it's terrifying. But God blesses generations because of it. Karen was the one in our family that began to give and she changed generations in our family because of her faith. Lastly, use your gifts and talents to serve God and to advance his kingdom. It should be the primary purpose you live for. Now, Many of you serve here in church, and which is fantastic. That's what we want you to do. But can I tell you something? Um, whatever skill you have, if it's money, if it's education, if it's medicine or law or whatever it is, the number one reason that you do what you do is to glorify God and expand His kingdom. Hey, this is Brent Evans with Exo Marriage, and I want to thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, hey, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out ExoMarriage.com, where you can see all of our marriage building resources, articles, and live events.